Hello, this is Tim Watton. Welcome to the GIF podcast, where we look at the power of the mind, mindfulness and being more present to help overcome life and health challenges. And we've seen that it really does help to bring more resilience, calm and joy into one's life. I am absolutely delighted to uh, introduce you to Helena Bordillon, who I've only known for about a year, but actually from the first meeting was really struck by just an amazing lady she is, and all you listeners will find out why. First and foremost, she is a freediver. I'd never met one until I met Helena. Uh, Of course, I'd seen them and always been amazed by what they do, but you're going to find out more about what she does. Um, she, She does spend as much time underwater as possible without breathing apparatus. She's also a speaker telling of her journey to positive mental health from the depths of depression. She's also a breath trainer. She's the only breath trainer I know and also the best. (laughs) Uh, And she encourages everyone to have better breathing habits to aid health both physically and mentally and she's tried to help me Um, so I know she's good at it. Helena, welcome to the show. Thank you, Tim. And before we go any further, what a pleasure it is to be here. Thank you very much for having me. Great. Well, um, here's the slightly blushing moment. When I came up with this <laughs> podcast concept, The Gift, you were the first person I thought of as my guest. Wow. So it's taken me a while to whip you into shape, get you here. But yeah, because... And you know, as the listeners will hear, you've got quite a story. You've achieved amazing things, and it just fits the bill for the essence of what the gift's about. So that's why I thought of you. Thank you. So I've got a couple of questions, but I'm going to start with one that I normally finish with. But um, you know, you're special, so you can you can take it. <laughs> what might be three words that would best describe you, Helena? Um, this is a good one, and I love this kind of question. I would say determined, because I'm right. very, very stubborn. Um, resilient, which is something that I've steadily grown over many, many years. And happy, which is something that I've also grown over many, many years. Good. Those, Those three are pretty impressive. What might be something that very few people realise? Or you could just be really vulnerable and tell us something that no one, no one knows at all. Well, something that's quite interesting considering what I do. As you said, I'm a free diver, which means I hold my breath and dive as deep in the ocean as I can and come back up on one breath um, without using any scuba equipment or anything like that. I smoked for over 20 years. And some of that time, I was smoking 40 cigarettes a day, 40 more reds a day. And yeah, and now I'm a free diver. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, interesting, I'd read only last week, I think it was BBC online, that actually the lungs self, self-heal. self You could smoke all that time. You may have seen the article yourself. And they have this ability to uh, sort of replenish. And yes. if you stop, that's the key thing. If you stop, as you've done. You, the in lungs, time in as time. well. I think, I think yeah. the age, age when you give up does also... Yeah facilitate the regeneration and, and the regrowth of cells. Okay. 
sadly for me okay and i was gonna say sadly for me with my my lungs and cystic fibrosis i could do with a bit of (laughs) self-healing but it's not to be um well not at the moment um now you referenced that you um had depths of depression we just be kind enough to explain uh, your battle with uh, depression for our listeners um very briefly i first noticed something wasn't right when i was around 11 and i'd gone off to boarding school which was an amazing adventure i was very excited to go and then about um three days later it suddenly hit home how homesick i was um so that was quite quite traumatic actually um and i think it was depression is caused by not really um letting feelings out and and working out what they're about and just shoving them back down and not allowing yourself to express i think that was probably the final cherry on the cake from the few events that had happened before in my life and i remember towards the end of the first year noticing quite a dark period of about three weeks where i was very listless i was very unhappy i i just yeah i felt miserable and then it went away and i felt fine again and i was back to kind of being bubbly slightly crazy Helena um, and then it came back again and, and was more intense um, and the cycle kept repeating um, and becoming more and more intense uh, with the gaps in between being shorter and shorter until I was 25 26 when I um, yeah I was preparing to commit suicide so things had got pretty bad and um, I was lucky enough to realize that the behavior that I was, the things that I was doing to myself at that time, which mm. were, yeah, were, were not the kind of things you do to yourself if you're healthy and well. Um, I needed help and I was very fortunate enough to have friends and, and family support around me. Um, and I, I had a, an amazing GP on the NHS who was incredible and, and they helped me begin my long road to recovery um, and it has taken quite a while with a lot of soul searching and hard work sorry about that um, but it's it's been worth every step of the way so people can understand um how the depths or or, or the minutiae of anxiety and depression I seem to recall from your um, YouTube video that, what is it, Vimeo, that you've, um, there was a broken glass incident in your yes, hand. Yes, and I, I'd say that was probably one of my lowest points. Um, I got to the stage of self-harming, and I just to be aware for any of your listeners, I'm not going to go into too much detail, but um, yes, it was an evening and I found myself in a, a bar after work with, with, work colleagues and um i was sitting in one of the stalls because I, I needed the loo and i i spotted a broken glass in the corner and picked it up and yeah started cutting and it was it was to see if i could still feel anything because i was so completely numb mm. to my entire life and yeah it, it spiraled down from there even worse okay. before I just just sort of had a wake up call and went this is this is not right I really need help so yeah, yeah it got quite dark 
and the Helena I've only known for a year and just to hear that story it, it, it sort of fills me with a level of sort of uh, dread myself for you you know a bit of a uh, tingling sensation down my back in not a good way that you know you're in such a space that you would do that but was that the, the sort of epiphany moment where you knew something had to change or was it was there something else? Pretty much. Um, it, it progressed worse than that. Um, and and there was a point where I, I kind of caught myself and just went, this this has to stop. And I had a choice of either whether I stopped my life or I, I got help. And I was fortunate enough to realise that there was an opportunity that I could help myself and there were people around me who could help me on that journey as well. So okay. I, I, yeah. Um, and if you were to uh, theoretically speak to somebody who's listening, who maybe has depression, what would you say to them? It's probably very individual and it has different layers for everyone, but what might be some salient advice you have? Um, you mentioned the film that I did earlier, Vimeo film, which is a, a six minute, 22 film and some, a really poignant sentence that came out of me. And, and I say it in the film um, at the end is, is don't give up fighting. It is always life is worth fighting for mm. and anything is possible for anyone. And just cling on to that by your fingernails and find get the help you need find the people who can help you because they are out there and you'd be surprised at the people who do step forward to help that you might never have expected mm. that they could or would um and yeah people are amazing they wow really are. okay that's good to, to hear your testimony thank you now you are a free diver i um and you represent great britain so let's take it up a notch. I was enthralled as I suppose lots of people were back in the late eighties with the film, the big blue. Uh, it was one of those films that sort of had to watch quite a few times and was really immersed mm. in how far they go down. And yeah, it was just, it blew me away. And yeah. then it sort of lay dormant and I've got the soundtrack cause I liked it so much. But it lay dormant yeah. in me, um, other than seeing free diving on, you know, sports programs and in the news. And I sort of was aware of the certain stars who, um, are, you know, who lead the way. And it's, there's different, there's different depths and the different techniques with, uh, with you don't just do one type of free dive. So there's many variations. Yeah. yeah. But going back a step, how does Helena Bordelon go from? not doing a free dive to going to do a free dive and uh was it in egypt what, where you, i started yeah no no i um i'd always been a water baby so i i i would hang out in swimming pools as a child as often as possible um and i i was lucky enough to do scuba diving at quite a young age and I used to really enjoy it. I used to love seeing what was down there, but I used to find it really noisy and clunky. And I would hold my breath between the inhale and the exhale, which is exactly what you are told not to do, scuba diving. So I would then have to remind myself to keep breathing. 
And um, having watched The Big Blue and thought, wow, that's amazing. I think I saw it in 1989 or 1990. It also went on the back burner. But um, seven years ago, I was traveling in Thailand with a friend who wanted to do their scuba again. And, and I said, mm, I don't want to do that. Let's find a school that does both free diving and scuba. And it was love at first dive. I was utterly besotted and haven't looked back since. It's mm. quite magical, yeah. And I think either you tell me, and if you haven't, I now tell others on your behalf, that mm-hmm. um, maybe all the noise that was going on in your head um, and the depressive tendencies, they were diminished, but they were still there. Um, when you did go underwater, everything was so serene and still. It was in that moment, it was really, you could see, you could feel the benefit of that calmness and stillness? I know people talk about being in the moment a lot. And I suppose when you do something that's different or out of your comfort zone, it brings your attention to that place very quickly. Now, freediving achieves that because you're, we practice being aware of all the sensations in our body so we can be as relaxed as possible um but we are very much in that moment all the the cacophony of noise that goes on in our heads whether we're aware of it or not is totally silenced and you're you're focusing on the rope in front of you if i'm Mm. diving on a line or i'll have my eyes shut and i'm scanning for for relaxation or or tension so i can relax further and everything just goes quiet and peaceful mm. and it's it's the first time I experienced it it was and it still is the most magical release almost you know I'm more used to it now so it's not as big a bigger thing but I can still have dives that are so joy-filled I'm a real believer in presence is some uh, sorry pleasure is something that we get from external sources like you know friends or whatever it is the latest thing you bought that you're happy with or that sort of thing um and joy is something that is absolutely from inside and and almost unquellable and it just will bubble up and make you feel wonderful um and and is a magical magical thing and and i get that with freediving and it's it's so special um and it's calming and you feel wonderful and you're on a natural high after a good dive yeah and it's beautiful it's just so beautiful under the surface so yeah you you explained to me it's like a reverse psychology for how you get prepped up because a lot of the sport i play field hockey and with my lung function not being so special i have to really get myself worked up to get on the pitch and it is actually level of anxiety as well can I even keep up but I have to really really pump myself up is the best expression and a lot of sports people whether it be rugby football uh, cricket all have to probably get themselves into a certain physical or mental state of um, physicality and alertness but it seems to be the reverse with free diving you've got to go zen and super calm it is one of the few sports where adrenaline is an absolute no-no the moment you have adrenaline your heart rate speeds up and you burn through the oxygen that you're so preciously carrying to allow you to do the dive um so the preparation and 
the sport I actually spend 95% of my time relaxing and being as relaxed as and unstressed and it's it's like pinpoint um focus you know I, I try to zoom in on the areas in my body and find any tension so I can release it and I'm staying only in each moment as I as much in each moment as I can be and only focusing on what I have to do in that very moment rather than thinking oh there's however many meters to go before I get to the bottom and there's however many meters above you're right in that moment and the calmer you are the deeper you can go into yourself and into your dive if you focus on the numbers and the winning you create tension you get get stress and you're very unlikely to reach the depths it's in letting go Mm. that you actually go deep in freediving, which okay. is curious and magical and frustrating as hell. <laughs> okay. Now you also educated me that whereas in other sports, uh, depending on how one performs or your team, you'll either get so many goals or you know the score will be X or Y. But for your championship dives, you dictate or tell the uh, organisers how far you're likely to go, so they set it. Is that yes. right? It's all part of the safety um, precautions because obviously it's, if not done correctly, the first rule of freediving is is never hold your breath near water by yourself. Um, and, you know, it has the potential to be a deadly sport if you're not sensible, quite simply. You wouldn't put a, a learner driver in a Formula One car. You don't send a, a, someone who's been freediving for three days to deep depths because it's just not possible um so what we do the way we do it is i train for depth and i gradually go to depth so when it's coming up to a competition i pretty much know two weeks before i'll know exactly what depth i'm going to be aiming for and then the day before depending on how i feel how the training's gone in the previous two weeks what the conditions are going to be like um, I then, 24 hours before, announce the depth I'm going to do, the discipline I'm doing, because there are four different depth disciplines I do, and the time it's going to take me. And they're all, um, the time and the depth are all related to safety procedures as well, so that they know when the, the judges or, or, or the safety team will be feeling the line that we dive on that I'm attached to by a safety lanyard, they'll be feeling for, for my turn, for any vibration on the line from the lanyard. Um, they're keeping an eye on the stop clock to make sure everything's going as it should be. And so there's, there's almost, uh, you almost announce slightly less because obviously when it's a big competition, um, there's, potential for nerves and the bigger the competition and the bigger the audience which we now have dive eye which is an underwater drone that can give live footage oh, online, wow. um, the more the more daunting it, it can potentially be and it's a, a real lesson in not letting the external hubbub that's a bit crazy at times get in the way of the relaxation and the focus so yeah it's a, it's a fascinating so sport you got to go you go down to your mark but you've still then got to stay super calm yeah, and measured and, and but not rush back exactly because if you if you go oh i'm nearing the edge i'm just uh, nearing the end coming back up um I, I can go fast then again 
you're burning more oxygen. And when you when your brain starts getting active, um, it burn, for the size of the brain, it burns a phenomenal amount of oxygen. When you're just sitting and relaxing, it swipes 20% of the oxygen from the air you're breathing. That's when you're just sort of sitting watching television or, or reading a dull book. And um, the moment you start using it and getting excited or stressed or tension, anxiety, that oxygen consumption goes up massively. And if you're towards the end of a dive, you will have used quite a lot of oxygen to do the dive in the first place. So the last yeah. thing you want to do is speed up or get any of those excitable feelings um, on the way back to the surface. As you say, it's very measured and very calm return back to the surface. Yeah, and I, I've seen amazing photographs of you um, doing your, your championship dives and certainly coming up at the surface pre pre and post dive it's uh it's an amazing uh vision of you um but but for those that probably could hold their breath for a short level of time in the bath or in the swimming pool on holiday what would be i'm not saying i'm going to try and do this which i'd never recommend you do unless someone is watching you and they know how to look after you (laughs) okay but my my question to you is what would be your how long are you holding your breath for um, maybe in a recent championship dive uh, my longest dive I've done in a competition is three minutes now there is a discipline there are depth disciplines and there are pool disciplines for distance and a, a fourth discipline for the pool is um, static where you, you float face down in the water for as long as possible um, it's not a discipline I train it's not a discipline I compete in it's not a discipline I enjoy um and so I don't really practice it although I probably should start it because it would be good for my training but um when I'm when I'm floating face down in the water I've got a five minute 22 breath hold currently wow now one thing that intrigues me um Mm. what would be the easiest thing for you what might be the hardest thing about free diving um i think the easiest part of it is knowing how much peace it's going to give me the moment i put my head under the water and it makes it so easy to do the training and all the hard mundane boring everyday stuff that gets you to those very nice photos because it's a sport that lends itself to quite epic photos um yeah i it's it's it is easy to do for me because all of my training coincidentally happens to lead towards positive mental health which is just unexpected and and fantastic um and yes it's it's so magical under the water that's the easiest part. The hardest part is the relaxing right. because re- relaxation is a bit like an onion. Not, it doesn't make you cry when you cut into it, but there are layers and layers and layers. And when you think you're fully relaxed, there is always more you can do and breaking through onto the next layer and the next layer and the next layer. That is probably the hardest part. And it sounds ridiculous to say the most difficult thing is relaxing, but I, it is yeah okay 
Um, that's really uh, insightful. Um, now you touched on sort of how it helped me mentally. Um, that's something that it's like practice makes progress. It's you don't just suddenly do one di di um, um, dive and then suddenly all your mental anguish is gone. It's just you've worked out that there's yeah. bits you can add on. Um, some have worked, probably some haven't. Um, and you're just always finessing it. Would that be the case? Yes, it's, um, as I said, you you gradually work your way down to depth. Even at the beginning of the season, I'm about to start my depth season in a couple of weeks. And, you know, I will be doing very shallow dives for many weeks, getting used to the sensations again, getting used to the pressure of the water, allowing my body to adapt to it. Um, and part of that process, because I get back in the water and I go, oh, I was going quite deep at the end of last season. Will I get back there? Um, so part of that process is, again, going through the, they're not fears, they're just possibly nervousness, slight insecurities of can I do it again? And, and it's the challenge of those fears every time I get in the water and sort of saying, right, are, are you legitimate? Is there something wrong that I need to deal with? Or is this, a little voice just getting in the way and actually preventing me from moving forward or moving deeper and achieving what I want to do. Mm. Um, so it's it's an amazing way to challenge yourself in in if you're sensible in a very safe environment, um, and that has helped grow my resilience massively over the last seven years since I started the free diving. It's been hugely beneficial. Now, you said you'd want to spend as much time as possible in the water, but of course you do have to spend, because you're not a fish, not a whale. <laughs> um, you do have to spend time out of the water. And mentally, you're, you're in a pretty good place these days, aren't you? Yeah. Yep. And uh, that's everything you've been doing has culminated in this sort of new level of essence that you've got. Okay. Um, sorry. No, no. It was just a question. It it's just allows you to just be a, be a lot more serene and measured in your out of water life. Oh, completely. I'm. I still get wound up like everyone about silly things <laughs> at times, <laughs> but I'm actually I'm more likely to catch myself and and laugh at it and see that it's not worth getting so excited about anymore. Um, so yes, it, it's it's been the skills that I've gained from free diving have helped me in many areas of my life. In in medical areas where I've had procedures where I've been away from them, they've been incredibly unpleasant, um, and I've I've had to learn to calm myself down to be able to go through those. Um, and yes, I I sit there and go right. I can do I can do this depth underwater. I can calm myself down. And go through this procedure stop it Helena so yeah the the it's it's so many skills that I've learned from being underwater have helped me on land yeah okay now you talked about feeling very present when you were doing a dive or just generally underwater um you know the past isn't even on your mind the future isn't on your mind it's just all at that moment yeah. Would you say that is when you're at your most present when you're doing your dives? Or totally. is there something? Yeah, okay. Um, it's your ultimate awareness. version of being present. Mm. 
Yes, because my awareness is in is totally inside my body. It's totally in what's going on in that split second, and that's a huge relief when you don't have mm. the the past or the future, and and you're just there, and it and it, and it helps make you calmer. Yeah. So yeah. Does it feel longer than three minutes? Because everything time is, just... is very, time is distorted. Yeah. And if you're having a dive where you've potentially got into the flow state, which is what all sports people train to get into, and everyone ex- has experienced flow at some point in their life. Sometimes when you're, for example, you're driving along, and you suddenly think, "How did I get here?" <laughs> um, your body, your subconscious is carrying out everything that it knows how to do and your conscious mind has, has gone off wandering somewhere else. And and that has big similarities with the flow state. And um, I've gone off on a tangent and I can't remember why. I was just being present and, oh, did it feel longer than three minutes? Yes. Um, when you go into flow state, time distorts completely. And sometimes a dive can feel like it's been 20 minutes. And other times it feels like it's over in 30 seconds. And, in, and it's strange because I'll almost be like the little angel on my shoulder watching me do the dive. And just because I, I trained to know exactly what I do at each moment, at each part of the dive. So I don't have to think about it. I just do it naturally. And um, yes, the same dive can feel like it lasts for about 20 minutes, but also is over in, in five seconds. It is very bizarre and okay. yeah, adds to the experience. <laughs> well, I have to learn it through you because I really don't see this as going to be something I take up. We all have our gifts in life, but I don't think yeah. I'm going to be doing any free diving with my lungs. But I'm delighted you do, and you do it so well. Now, the not unrelated question, but you may surprise me with the answer. What would constitute a perfect day for you? Um, free diving for fun, somewhere with amazing marine life, um, with great friends. I probably, well... Until the last week, I probably would have said somewhere warm with good visibility. But I've, I've in the last week, got into the habit of jumping into cold bodies of water. Um, and, and I think I'd love to go somewhere like Antarctica um, to dive there. But it would definitely involve free diving. And it would involve good friends, family, and good food as well. Yeah, okay. That would be a perfect Good day. answer. For what in your life do you feel most grateful, Helena? my family and friends. I am extremely lucky. Yeah. Have you told me about your parents, particularly your dad, who still does press ups every day? Uh, Yeah. Oh yes. He's, he's um, a wild man. He's a wild man who's at 78 still does his morning exercises, which is basically a hit class that he started doing 30 years ago. And um, yes, he still skis, is incredibly active and uh, yeah, quite, quite a good role. I've got very good role model parents to encourage me to push forward and be the best I can be. Okay. And what would you say is your greatest accomplishment of your life to date? Because there's um, more coming, but what would you say? Absolutely. Um, I'm very lucky when I do my speaking engagements, um, I... I've had a f- couple of occasions where I've gone into schools 
and I've spoken to teenagers and the thing that I am most proud of um, and, and what I see as one of my biggest achievements is seeing or anyone, but it, it, I find it particularly profound when it's school children, um, and you help them change their mindset from I can't do that to what would happen if I gave it a try. Mm, mm. And that's quite magical when people suddenly go, why not? Why can't I do that? And the few times I've been lucky to be part of someone going through that process and then giving it a try and then having some really quite inspiring results is, yeah, I'm really proud of those. Yeah, and so you should be. Uh, I think you do definitely help yourself to help by helping others. And that's exactly what you're doing. So true. So true. What might be one daily habit or routine that helps to contribute to your success? An oldie bit of goldie, it's the meditation. Okay. <laughs> meditation, <laughs> but... Um, Was that meditation me... or medication? <laughs> meditation. <laughs> meditation. <laughs> meditation, not medica- medication. Um, meditation, it quite simply gives me a pause um before i learned to meditate i and i I wasn't in a great place um i was going through the depression i was on on the road to recovery but i was still very much struggling and i started learning how to meditate and i suddenly somebody would say something to me and i'd no matter what it was or what it was about i just took it personally and my response came out of fear and anger and depression and I'd just rage back at them. And learning to meditate made me go, is this about me? Is this anything to do with me? How do I want to respond? And, and that split second mm. of not jumping on, on the emotional reaction bandwagon has changed my life. And yes, as, and I know this will be a daily thing for the rest of my life because I know when I don't do it, after about a month, I become nuts again and I, I overreact to everything. And so, yes, this is, it is my daily medication. Um, I meditate and I, I don't do hours on end. I do 20 minutes in the morning, first thing when I wake up. Um, and yeah, that keeps me very much on the straight and narrow, less emotional, um, less me orientated, which I think is a very healthy place to be. Yeah, and I only recently discovered that what you're actually doing with the deep breath from your diaphragm as part of meditation, and I know there are many different variations of meditation, yes. but the one I do is just the deep breath from my diaphragm through to my brain. And actually, there's this nerve called the vagus nerve that actually that joined up, and actually you're just activating that nerve to, to get, bring you that calmness. Yes. Uh, it's not it's just... Your, yeah. yeah, and it's not just an accident that that breath does something yeah. it's yeah. scientific it's there for a reason yeah yeah um and i would try and do that deep breathing and meditating every day but time is uh not always on my side so even i find that even just a minute or two minutes is better than nothing absolutely with, with a habit just start it and yeah. keep yeah. finessing it but don't just do it one one day and then pick it up again when you're struggling exactly don't try for a half an hour session 
um, and then drop it three days later. Start with a two, three minute and, and commit to doing that every day. And if that feels right and you feel like you can do a little bit more, add another minute and just grow it very naturally, very organically and comfortably in the benefits. Yeah, the benefits come quite quickly. They do, but um, I would also, uh, as you will remember when you first started, the monkey brain is all over the shop, isn't it? In fact, you can feel a failure within, within 20 seconds. But within 20 <laughs> seconds, you can go, well, I'm thinking about the dentist later or that work task or what's get, what parties tonight. You're just like, can I not just, my brain is ruling it, just be still. And there's little words lovely, I use just to center myself again. Like I could say the word calm or yeah. this is it. Just, just something that just brings you back into your breath. And everybody's I will try like, those. thank you. Yeah, calm, just the word calm. And this is it. There's two expressions I use, two words, and that just allows me just to refocus in when the brain oh, goes. Thank you. I will give them a try. Over the shop. <laughs> I, will be, I can be using them a lot. Yeah, my <laughs> monkey mind is, is uh, yeah, excitable. Okay. Um, my, my daily routine uh, or habit is medication. So, and meditation. I, I, I'm the M and M. I have both. Yeah. <laughs> um, what might be one book, Helena, that you've got the most from? Without swearing on your podcast, I would say the stuff. Except, subtle except for the podcast of... host has not done it yet. So, okay, give it, give I'm him time. Um, the book I I got the most out would be the subtle art of not giving a bleep. Sleep. by mark manson yeah um and there's lots of good information in there but seriously he swears way too much but it gets your attention at the beginning um the one thing that really stood out for me was the concept of taking responsibility for everything in your life whether it's your fault or not and that feeds through to how you respond to everything and that is your absolute responsibility um and and it feeds back into my meditation of me not raging emotionally and having the time to go what's actually going on here what's going on with this situation or this person and mm. so i'm i'm really hot on the idea of being responsible for how you respond and how you respond to any and every situation. And uh, yeah, that was a fantastic book for that. And there's a lot of other good stuff in there as well, but that was the, the big thing, the, the standout takeaway I got from that book. Yes. And um, I suppose similarly, there's this formula that I tend to hone in on that the um, one of my previous um, podcast guests, Paul McGee, the same guy talked about, and that is the formula E plus R equals O. So events plus your reaction equals your outcome. Very true. Very nice. E plus R equals O. Um, so that was uh, very profound. And on the subject of something profound, uh, mm -hmm. as this is called the GIF podcast, what GIF would you like to unwrap for me and all my listeners in the form of advice or quote or something that you feel would be your present to us? Well, following on from my book recommendation, um, and because it's what I help people do, um, it's to do with breathing habits and learning to control your breath 
and your awareness of it, your awareness for starters, and then controlling it and doing it right. Um, if you can manage that, you can be in the given moment and give, give yourself that present, which is more powerful than anything, I truly believe. Great. And if people wanted to find out more about uh, not just your uh, experiences in life, but also you as a breathing coach, a breathing trainer, how would they be able to get, get in contact with you, Helena? Well, the social media is the main port of call for me. Um, and if you type in my name into LinkedIn, Helena Bordillon, um, for those who wish to write it, it's H-E-L-E-N-A. Surname Bordillon, B for Bertie, O-U-R-D-I-L-L-O-N. And if you search for me on LinkedIn, you can find me there. And also, you can see some nice photos yeah, and great photos. some rambling ramblings from the back of my brain occasionally underneath them on Instagram, where it's Helena underscore Bordillon. And uh, yeah, feel free to follow and connect at either of those two places. Good, and uh, we do get on, and I'm delighted that you you, you use B for Bertie as well. <laughs> B for Bertie, absolutely. B for Bertie, absolutely, the best one. Um, forget Bravo, Bertie's a lot better. Much better, <laughs> much more we'll start a new trend. Yeah. Thank you for being um, a wonderful guest. And I, as I said at the top of the, top of the show, I did always think of you as my first guest, so I've got you and love your testimony and thanks so much for sharing it. Thank you so much for inviting me on, Tim. Um, it's been an absolute honour. And good luck Thank this you year. Thank for being my friend. Well, I'm delighted to be your friend and very much good luck this year because um, you'll be out uh, representing Great Britain again. I'd hope. Um, it's slightly different this year. We don't have a world championships that I'm competing in this year because the depth ones are every other year. Mm -hmm. um, what we do have this year is the free diving world series for the first time. And I will be competing at two of those events this year. I will be in Rotan, Honduras in May, and I will be in Greece in September. I've got a couple of other competitions I'm doing, but those ones are part of the world series, which I've been invited to compete at, so I'm quite excited for this. Good. Greece is the word. It is indeed. <laughs> well, you knock them down, um, and uh, all the very best. And I, I will always see your progress on Insta um, and message you, as I've always done. So thank you for being on the show. Uh, and for those listeners, thank you for listening. Uh, do subscribe if you, if you haven't. Not to you if you haven't, but do subscribe. Do tell others, and if you feel so inclined, do write a review on your podcast platform thanks again for listening and as i always leave you yours cup half full goodbye <laughs>